0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I
1: heard you settled on some trial names for the new puppers. What are they?
0: Yeah, so we talked about tater Tot. But the problem is neither one of them felt like tater tot. Like a tater tot, yeah. But then we also felt like it was weird to separate them. Like
1: I could definitely
0: see calling one of them tater, but like calling the other one tot just didn't totally drive. Anyway, we literally went around for a solid week. We've had a shared note stock. We've been adding names. We've been asking (laughs) friends. And I kept going through it and I finally decided to like cull the list. And I was like, which ones is it not? Cause maybe that'll help us narrow mm-hmm. it down. And I got through it. And the thing that's been difficult about it is like, I might like the names, but it doesn't feel like their name or it doesn't sure. make sense with their coloring or like their attitude or whatever. Anyway, though we're going with, or at least trying for now, Cap and Rizzy, With the thought that they are technically cappuccino and ristretto, and the girl beagle is kind of like this red, deep brown color, which is the color of that. It's like a fancy, it's not espresso. What are they, what's the difference between espresso and a ristretto shot?
1: Well, let me Google it while you explain Cap. (laughs) And then
0: Cappuccino, he's definitely that like light, light brown, but like has like white foamy color. I don't know. So, but he's definitely not white. Totally. He's creamy. So I felt like it made sense. So we're just trying calling them Cap and Rizzy and seeing if it'll stick. I guess there's sugar in a ristretto. Mm, I thought it was in something about of- like how you pulled it or it's like stronger. Oxygen.
1: It's described as more concentrated and sweeter than espresso, giving it a bolder flavor. It's not necessarily stronger than a cappuccino. Okay, so here's how you actually make one. We're getting to the bottom of this, you guys. <laughs> okay, it's literally restricted espresso, okay. it's essentially a short shot, even more concentrated than a normal espresso many coffee aficionados believe that this is the perfect espresso. So when you just pour it, it's just not a full shot because it's the most concentrated part of well, the Well, it's
0: concentrated, but it's... I don't know how to explain it, but it's not as bitter, which is why I started making them instead of espresso shots.
1: So, yeah, an espresso shot is 30 milliliters and a ristretto is 22, so...
0: It's just slightly short, but i I must just not having the last bit of pull must. Yeah, it makes it them. less bitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's smoother. I like it. I that's when I do a double shot. I do a double shot of rostrello.
1: Yeah, I just feel like I would be wasting coffee by not drinking the other coffee that comes with the pour.
0: <laughs> well, I'll but it doesn't.
1: That. It just
0: doesn't come out. You just don't add as much water.
1: But you have a capsule. Espresso maker. So there's right. no way it doesn't come out.
0: Well, it just doesn't send as much water through. I'm oh, sure is there, is there an
1: actual setting on there? Yeah. Oh, I might have to try it. I still feel like maybe you could get two pulls of it from a capsule though.
0: Which would then defeat the purpose of the type uh-huh. of pull, Right. But yeah. Probably. Hmm. But I do it could all be in my head, but I definitely think it's less bitter.
1: I think we should do a blind taste test next time I'm not
0: there. <laughs> oh, okay. We definitely need it. <laughs> but yeah, that's the story behind the dogs' names. For now, we'll see if they stick. Because I thought I was pretty certain Tater Tot was going to stick until we picked them up. And then I was like, nope. But Cap and Rizzy is easy to say together, which yeah. if you haven't tried naming a dog before... It's really about yelling it across
1: the yard. What can
0: you shout? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like Cap might be a little difficult. Rizzy would be easy. Well, they were
0: saying the perfect dog name is two syllables for that reason.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I would yell cappuccino before Cap. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like yelling it across your backyard.
0: Which is fine. Like I'm not opposed to yelling her full name. I doubt we would ever yell Ristretta.
1: No, that one <laughs> seems hard. It's kind of a weird word to say, too. So. <laughs> That's
0: funny. But yeah, so we'll see. They're both settling in. Girlfriend thinks she can sleep wherever she wants. And so she's since invited herself into the bed, which means Jared has a dog on both his left and his right. Oh, my. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it is the heat of summer. Are you really sure you want to commit to this right now? But he doesn't want Rizzy to jump over and like disturb Hugh because he wants to like respect Hugh's space and he's older and all of that. But I'm like, the sacrifice you're making for the dogs to just duke it out and figure it out is a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't miss not having dogs in the bed at all. We... When we had two dogs, only one of them ever slept with us. And he didn't for like the last like year or so of his life because he was just like so frail. And as soon as we stopped having him sleep with us, it was just a dream. It was honestly a dream. (laughs) It was just like, oh, my bed doesn't get like crumbly with like dirt and hair and all the things as fast. That's interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the dirt, I don't. Don't let the dirt come. Uh,
1: no, no. Well, we'll see how they start acclimating to their names. Because yeah. y'all have been calling them like three different sets of names for a it's while. It's mostly
0: been girl and boy. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, you know, like not really using a name. Jared was okay. really
1: rooting for Fred last week. So. Oh, he was.
0: And then I think he gave up. And he yeah. was like, you just name him whatever you want. Great. <laughs> Thank I you. was like. Well, obviously, that was... <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, should we go ahead and dive in? We have a mix of math, a mix of anticipatory mindset work <laughs> that's coming your way, but it's all in the lens of this is what you actually want. So let us like lay out the future a little bit for you so you can start to understand what's coming and you feel better about it and not stressed about it.
0: Yeah. Well, so I think the common thread we're seeing amongst hundreds, if not thousands of people in our audience. And when I when I say this, I'm not being facetious. Like these are like literally things you guys are coming to us and saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're using Excuses is the wrong word, but you're like trying to apologize for things you don't want to do, mm-hmm. and then I'm telling you, you don't need to apologize about any of it, because it, it's a lot of, like, oh, I should be more consistent on social media, or oh, right. I, I feel like I'm not getting myself out there enough, or... I really or like should. that
1: backward, like, you know, if you feel like something isn't working right in your business, like leads or conversions, you convince yourself that the reason why that isn't happening is because you're not quote unquote active on social media or you haven't figured it out. And so when you talk to other business owners, you're like, oh, I know I should be having this content plan figured out. And it's like, if I did that, then these problems would go away. So like, I know that's what my problem is.
0: Well, and I think the thing having worked with as many entrepreneurs as we have, sure, having an audience anywhere can definitely help at times, depending on what you're selling and if the audience you're selling to is the right audience. But more often than not, I have seen people go from zero to their first six figures with no social presence literally mm. at all i've seen people maintain agencies cresting in the 1. 1.2 1. 1.4 million mm. 1.5 million space who are with like a
1: personal instagram
0: minimally active like minimally like they use active. for fun like they just post their kid's birthday party yeah. like it's not like it's not they're not an influencer no <laughs> They're not teaching online. They're not showcasing even client work, really. No, I do think there's a handful of people that have a couple hundred followers that are showing like portfolio work, but they're posting once every six weeks and it's Mm -hmm. pretty sporadic and they beat themselves up about not doing that more often. But the interesting thing is the thread I'm seeing amongst service providers is social following or not it has absolutely nothing to do with the success of or the amount of money that these businesses can generate like there is no common thread of like oh well if you have at least this many followers then you're going to be able to blank nope literally nothing none no correlation nope
1: nope So I know this isn't the area we were going to necessarily dive into, but I at least want to spend a couple seconds on it. Maybe we could do a full episode on it. If you can summarize that that's not the common thread,
0: what is the common thread? Well, that's an interesting thought here. I think it's depending, it depends on if you're talking about what what do you actually deem as successful? And what is the goal? Because it depends on what they're trying to do. Because I think there is a large portion of our audience that is trying to grow a lifestyle business that if it only ever paid them their salary plus enough for some like minimal outside support, they would be completely content. I do think there's a subset of our audience that wants it to fuel their lifestyle, but they still have like desires to like, grow something a bit bigger, have more of a team and all of those things. But regardless, the ones that are ultimately being successful long term, I think they're relationship focused across the board. Some probably don't see themselves as as good as that as others. But for sure, the ones that are taking off and really believing in themselves and making things come together. I think so much of it is tied together from their belief that if they can connect people, that they can do their job well. But I don't know what what do you think?
1: Well, I I definitely would say relationships. I feel like it's a two part recipe or two ingredient recipe that I see being the most efficient in the sense of it doesn't really matter what your goals are, money wise, team wise, whatever if you can figure out a way to harvest and nurture nurture and harvest in that order relationships in a way that works for you uh-huh. and you have an offer a service that actually solves a problem for someone that yeah. you can articulate yeah then i think the, the you're problem
0: golden. solution is way more critical than people realize. Agreed. I think that people,
1: when they start their businesses, want to, and we advise this, honestly, when you're like just getting started, where it's that like overarching, say yes to the many projects. Like you feel like an agency without being an agency because you're just like taking on so much work. And then the fear-
0: variety of work.
1: Right, right. And then like as you scale- It actually like sometimes is painful to cut off parts of your business because they could be making you money and they could be like helping the overall revenue, but like the actual deep dive into the how much time is it taking you? What is your capacity? Where do you actually see your business going and like who do you actually want to serve and what is the result you're actually providing? When you get clarity on that piece and you're able to shed some of those parts confidently, then that's where like the scale up actually happens.
0: Yeah, I think so much of it is, is what you're saying is you really have to be able to articulate that problem and solution. And I think often when you're in those earlier stages, and you are taking on a lot of different things, you are letting your clients dictate what they need. And it does take a different set of skills to like turn around and put yourself back in charge when you kind of have let your clients... Well, and
1: it's scary too. I mean, we're talking with service providers in our group who are multiple six-figure earners and are still offering things like they should just not be offering, that they're not even making money on anymore. But the fear of letting that stuff go, it's. I think there's like two kind of mindset shifts that happen. We'll get to the other one that I brought up that I want to talk about in regards to landing leads and how the many math
0: it on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about that one. But the headspace of like still feeling like you have to say yes to shitty clients because sure. you're still in the headspace of living client to client, right? Like it's not paycheck to paycheck, but it's client to client. That mindset pivot is actually not that super easy to go through. And if it's not done with intentional, I'm letting this go because I'm safe. Hear the facts and like constant iteration or reiteration of where you're actually at. Then, I that's when I see like, I mean, sometimes seven figure business owners where I'm like, why are you still even offering this? Why is this how you're going about this? And it's always because of fear.
0: Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's all fear is absolutely the like, feeder of it. But I do think some of it is coming from a place of trying to let something go to let another aspect replace it. If you are the primary provider, or if your business is like a really stable part of your life, it's always going to be scary to let off essentially a limb, like an arm mm-hmm. or a leg of something that is providing and, and bringing in income. And even if the income doesn't really make sense, because a, a lot of times it's, we're looking at cutting it off because in terms of resources, you're putting too much out for what you're ultimately getting. And so sometimes I've seen business owners where they're ultimately operating at a loss because they have a handful of employees or contractors working on it and they're essentially putting more out into the world but because they have enough of their cash flow it doesn't necessarily feel like that's the piece that's sucking it so Mm -hmm. to speak and so they're afraid to like let it go and give it up but it's hard to like let something go and build something new at the same time and so I definitely see a lot of people who if they can like lop it off and then run with the new thing, they will be successful quicker than they think. But it's I mean, it's scary. It's really scary. I get it. I well, and
1: I just want to provide a moment of clarification. When she said lop it off and run with a new thing, it's not a new thing that you're running with. You're already offering this, whether it's a refinement of what sure. you're offering. But I don't, I just don't want to put out into the like either. It's not a
0: totally new right. thing. Right. It is like a refinement <laughs> of What's been the opposite working of what the most? No, it's it's what's been working the most all along, but you're mm-hmm. kind of ignoring it. It's the thing that's kind of like off in the corner, and I want to see more people be successful. So if we're talking about relationships and being able to identify the problem and solution as a goal, I want to also like give you permission to let go of the things that you think you need to be doing.
1: Yeah, and
0: so a lot of the things that I I see people thinking they need to be doing is around growing an audience. Now, I'm not to say I've had many an argument on TikTok, more than I would like to already, actually, (laughs) of people who are like, well, but if you don't do these things, then you're committing to staying small. And I just, I completely disagree. Because if you're looking at big business, as just an example, if you're looking at big business, I really don't think... Apple 20 years ago versus Apple today. Like, I get that social media wasn't, like, a massive thing then when they were, like, com- like rising up. But you don't see the C-suite, like, dancing on TikTok to grow the business. Like, they're making strategic deals with, like, big partners behind the scenes. They're doing things really old school. Like, it's very relationship focused. It is deals in boardrooms. It's not necessarily growing a following and then hoping the following Mm -hmm. will push you forward. Not to say that you can't use a social following to do some of these things. I just think what ends up happening is you pour so much time and energy into trying to build an audience and then your offer alignment isn't there. And And I just want to let it go. So like most of our clients don't even enjoy it. Like they don't, they want to, they want to post their kid's birthday party and not have to think about the rest. Right. And well, and the the piece
1: I want to add before we move on is instead of being like, oh, it's going to keep you small. And I disagree with that. What's wrong with small? First of all, the actual definition of a small business is ranging from 1 million to over 40 million with employment of a 100 to 1500 employees. So technically, like most of us will only actually ever be a micro business. And so like, we're not even in the small business category by definition of the US government, we call ourselves a small business because like, that's kind of what we are. But until we have over 100 employees, we won't actually be considered a small business. And so like, instead of people shaming you for like, if you're not doing this marketing thing, then you'll always stay small, baby, I'm micro already. And I'm making the big bucks. So like, I don't give a shit. Like that version of definition of whatever your business needs, literally has no reflection on how much you can make or the impact that you can have. And I think the impact is actually what your concern is, like those people listening, not like what kind of business you actually have.
0: Yeah. And I think if you look around, it's hard because you are influenced all the time. Because even if you don't find yourself posting, most people are consumers of content. And so, when you're consumers of content, if you surround yourself with the wrong kind of content, it can make you feel worse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And so, instead of it being something that you learn or laugh or enjoy, it can be things that make you feel less than, make you feel inadequate, make you question even the things that you've built and become. And that's really unfortunate. I just think it's easier when, if you're going to go down the comparison road, you need to find examples of people that are two to three steps ahead of where you are now and living the kind of lifestyle that you're actually interested in being a part of. Mm -hmm. And I think so often the things we're quote unquote following are like things that, are interesting to watch, but right. not necessarily things we are interested in having for ourselves. Yeah, And I get the appeal. There's a reason they call it the sightseer slowdown when the wreck is on the other side of the highway. It's because everyone wants to see. We have the n- innate desire to want to see what's happening, but it can really influence us to do things that are out of alignment. So if you don't even enjoy it, I want to like give you permission that it's not necessary. And I was asked recently on a podcast, like, why do you feel like it's not necessary? Like, how can you even say that basically? Mm -hmm. And I said, it really comes down to the math. Like if you're looking at, you know, a digital company, they're selling primary courses or digital products, price point $500 or less. Okay. If we're looking at that, and then we're comparing to someone who's in the service industry and and pricing more at a premium, typically at a price point of five thousand or more per client. So first of all, even if we're just looking at the high end and then the low end, one is literally ten x more expensive. So first of all, you need ten x less people to Kills. just buy, mm-hmm. right? 10x less people to buy. Now we're looking at how do you create those conversions? Well, if you're looking at digital products, the average conversion rate for a digital product or course is in the one to 2% range. And so if you need, let's just use 500,000 as an example, because my 5,000 and and five hundred makes sense. So if we're doing five hundred thousand, and you're selling something at five hundred dollars, you need a thousand people to purchase. Well, if only one percent are converting, you need. Oh my gosh, I can't math. Hold on, I got this. <laughs> I think I think you need in the neighborhood of ten thousand. No, hundred thousand. <laughs> hundred thousand. Yes, yes, yes. I got this. Are I you got sure? This. I, I should can have pull up my personal calculator right now. <laughs> okay, so if you're trying to generate a thousand sales at five hundred dollars a piece, you're going to need a list of a hundred thousand people. Creating that kind of audience is just not easy. By the way, like, it, how many years did it take us to get to a list of hundred thousand people?
1: Oh, like six. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like many Uh many many years and when it takes you that long do trust me not all of them are paying attention anymore (laughs) no (laughs) no, they're not trust me there's a large portion that that growth isn't consistent so like (laughs) the original people are no longer paying attention which is a big driver into why we personally had many different price points over the years and tried many different variations of things. But building enough of an audience to sell to can be difficult, even if you're pouring time, money, energy, marketing, content into the process. When you look at a service-based business, it's going to depend on your relationships, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your referrals. The problem that you're solving. The problem that you're solving, how urgent the problem is, all of that. There's many factors that go into this. But if you're looking at kind of like average service-based businesses, yes, they're dealing with massively less leads, but they're converting 50%, 75%, 80% of the the leads that are coming in the door. The volume is significantly less. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at the difference Not only do you need 10 times less people, but you need 40, 50, 60 times less leads because the conversion is so much higher. And when you get into that multiplication, it becomes this ballooned problem where in the digital marketing space, you have to feed it all the Mm -hmm. time. It shifts your day to day and the things that you do in your business. And I
1: say this because we've been here and then we pivoted back because we didn't like it. It shifts you from knowing the people that you're serving and impacting really well, seeing the results firsthand, being a part of a big change, being a part of like the creative endeavors that you even started your business for in the first place. It takes you from that role of like literally being in it, in the fun parts, to how can I get more? What are the creative ways? that I can create content, let people know we have this content, get attention on this content to then hope that they like watch it, enjoy it, and then take the next step. And then what's the next step they need to take? The and The urgency
0: step- is so much higher that like you don't even get to enjoy the fruits of no, your labor. You're just you're not- always talking about
1: how to get more eyeballs on your thing. And are they the right eyeballs? And then are they taking the right action after their eyeballs are there? And it's just... Not that that part can't also be fun because like it truly is. Oh, yeah. It's a game. It's fun. And we like this part too. So like that's why our business is set up the way that it is. It's fun for us to strategize on different piece of those puzzle, that puzzle. But for a lot of our clients, that part isn't fun for them. And it's nothing that they have any desire to explore or grow a team around supporting. Mm -hmm. And instead of figuring out, what your blog post content should be to hopefully get someone to read it. And then not only what's the content, but what's the strategy to get people there and then optimize the traffic that's there. Like it turns into 17 other jobs where when are you actually serving them? And that's the part
0: that you love. Yeah. And on the service side, it's so relationship focused your leads. Like if you get a right couple people in the door, you serve them. Well, you have them as clients, the referral cycle that you can create with that, Mm -hmm. you may never need to generate another lead yourself. Yep. Like you just have to nurture. You just have to continue to foster the relationships Mm -hmm. that are coming at you. And not that you won't have to like ask for an introduction here and there. Absolutely. That's part of it, but you can survive and thrive thrive, so much longer on a much smaller group of people like a thousand x smaller group of people and and really go far and you know the people that have come back and say well you don't see those people i'm like because they don't have to be Mm because they're running a million dollar company and they're running it a hundred percent on referrals and their audience isn't necessarily on TikTok or instagram So they don't necessarily need to use those platforms. And so that's why they're not there. And so like, I think it's just such a shame that we assume so much about what's possible when there isn't representation, but there isn't always going to be. And that's the part that's confusing. The reason you see representation on the course and digital product side is because these people are teaching you. they need to be. (laughs) Yeah, because that's literally required for them to put themselves out there. They Mm -hmm. need the audience. So whether they're teaching you, whether they're kind of like the inception thing where they're a course teaching you about courses or teaching you about digital products, that aside, it doesn't matter if someone's running that type of business. It is literally their job to get in front of more eyeballs. And so if you're not seeing the representation on the service side, it's because they're too busy serving their clients. I
1: yeah, They're like out at coffee and not having to post on and Instagram.
0: I just want like, what lifestyle are you after? There's right. absolutely been points in my career where I did want to be really public. And I was just thinking about, not that I need to give my therapist a report card, but <laughs> I was thinking about t- talking to my therapist coming up and I have a appointment around the corner. And I was going to talk to her about how much less I feel like I'm attached to my phone than Mm -hmm. I used to be. Mm -hmm. Because I used to have this constant pressure to make my day worthy of sharing in some Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting. I did it for years. Uh And letting that pressure go and just like, I've lost my phone in my house multiple times recently. And I was like, this is so liberating. Yeah. And I'm not worried about money or worried about my business. And I'm also not worried about growing an audience. Right. And it's just freeing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I do want to talk about the other mindset shift that comes just so y'all can be aware because you might be right around the corner of this happening. Mm -hmm. And I do want to prevent you from like, freaking out and backsliding because that's what happens the most often and reassure you. So we're talking about high percentage of conversion rates for service providers. There are service providers who literally enter our program who have a 100% conversion rate, right? We refine their offer. We actually do the math on what do you need to charge and how much time should you be spending on said project in order to make it make sense with your capacity and your team's capacity. If you have one and you start selling this service at the new price, and then you come to us in a blubbery fit because you're like, everything is broken. I don't have as many leads. Normally at this time I'm booked out. I'm not converting as many people as I have been. And so we like collectively take a deep breath because on the surface, this can easily convince you that like everything is falling apart in your business. Right. And you raised your prices and offered like a new kind of refinement and it was the wrong decision. And then we actually, we ask one question. We say, okay, but let's do some digging and find out is that actually true? And so what do we have them look at?
0: Yeah. So the first thing I have them do is look at their revenue. Like, has their revenue actually changed with working with less people? More often than not, if they've worked with us, their revenue has gone up and the amount of clients they're working with has gone down, meaning that the average client is spending more money with them which is literally part of the process because they need to get some of their time back because they were at capacity previously. A byproduct of increasing your prices, however, is that you should not be a fit for as many people. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to speak to a smaller group of people every time. Now what happens if your price too low if your price is too low, first of all, you're gonna you're gonna have a subset of people that won't even book you because they're so skeptical of what you offer because it is so low, they're like, ooh, there's gotta be some kind of problem with this. But then you get into the, like this bargain zone where people are like, oh, this is so inexpensive that like I'm just gonna take advantage of this. These people tend to get like super booked out really far in advance mm-hmm. and
1: I it it's to a high where
0: you think that you're doing everything right. I'm you're not like, saying being booked out me. isn't something to like strive uh-huh. for, but it's generally a sign that you're underpriced and mm-hmm. that like you you can and over-delivering. You're overdelivering and underpriced, and you can likely do less and make more and things will still work out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you should just ditch things for your clients. I'm saying don't spread yourself so thin that you're like struggling to Mm -hmm. serve in the way that you want to. But by nature of increasing that price point, you should see a dip. But if you're going from converting 100% of your leads to converting 80% of your leads, that is still amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and what was the conversation you had with
1: Bonnie about how many less clients
0: Yeah, for every one of her previous services, she needed, well, she needed one of her new high-touch signature service. It replaced two and a half of her Mm -hmm. old previous Mm -hmm. services. And so when you need that many less people, it feels different. It feels less
1: initially because you're not as busy or overwhelmed or like context switching for all these clients.
0: I think... Part of what happens when you're in that service industry is you think about volume of people instead of volume of sales Uh because the people demonstrate to you how booked you feel. Yeah. It takes some retraining to be like, I need you to look at your books. I need you to understand your revenue and your profit and loss statement. Like That is actually going to tell you way more about the health of your business than How you're feeling on a Tuesday, Mm because how you're feeling on a Tuesday is represented by all of your previous experiences and the current stresses of your life. Because even sometimes it's everything is literally fine Mm -hmm. and you're just telling yourself stories about how all of these things are.
1: I'm picturing one client we have right now who it's like once a quarter, we have the same conversation with her. We're like, everything feels like it's on fire. She needs to pivot. She needs more leads, more sales, more something, something else, another stream of revenue. And we like kind of poke and ask some questions. And it turns out she hasn't even looked at her P and L in like three months. And we're like, okay, go do that. And then we'll have this conversation. I'm not having a conversation with you based on solely feelings. I will talk about your feelings as long as we can also talk about the facts.
0: But you have to have both. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's like making relationship decisions based on how you're just feeling in the moment. First of all, like how often has that served you in a relationship? Mm -hmm. I mean, more often than not, you're just like bickering with other people or having these like full fledged fights. And it's like, how did. What did you actually say? Yeah. What did this actually mean? Like in the same way that you kind of have to work through that, you have to work through that stuff with yourself because Mm -hmm. it is different. It is different. And it's also okay. There is a reality in which you don't have to feel an obligation to all of these other people. You can live your life. You can Mm -hmm. post what you want on the internet and nothing more than that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying like exactly what you want to post and nothing more. You can have quality relationships with people and work with less clients, impact more people because you have a clear problem and solution and you don't need a massive audience or a massive number of sales to hit your goals and be successful. It's an unlearning. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And if
1: you want to partner in that unlearning, I would love to be that partner for you. Our team has gone through this with a lot of our clients inside the incubator. And I want to show you a different reality that's available to you if you were to so take it. And so if that's of interest to you, I would love for you to start a chat with us over in the DMs at Boss Project on Instagram. Let us know about what's going on in your business. What's the lever that you think you need to pull in order to get past where you are right now, that feeling of stuck. And let us kind of just do a little evaluation to see if that's where the time and attention should be. And we can chat about what would make most sense for you.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join The Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates,